meaning that I did not know, have one idea uh, what I was going to be doing at the last three months of any of the events. I just showed up and I knew that they were supposed to be just like a deliverance event. And God gave me no vision. So it was like, get up here and unleash type of a thing, which is a whole testing, you know, thing and just faith and believing that you hear from God and that whole thing. So that's a whole nother story. God gave me a very specific vision for this one, which got me excited and why I'm sitting in a chair. Because it's like I was doing classes, a couple of you guys have attended those, in Huntington Beach, and this was more my thing. Like, I knew what I was doing. I had a vision of the direction. I knew exactly what I was going after, but still in it, God was, like, giving me stuff. So I got excited about this. That means that when he gave me this, this was supposed to be about relationships, it was meaning that he was about to download some new revelation on me. Um, and what I have found is every time that I do a class in a new, <clears throat> like, topic, that it comes from a really, really hard season in my life. Meaning that I went through something that produced a revelation in me and then God burrs a curriculum. I'm like, crap, how many curriculums am I gonna end up with? Because I'm not kidding you. That's what every topic comes from. Staying in freedom, living in freedom, abide. Like all the stuff that I've done has come from a very hard season that released the revelation that then turned into like a subject that I made like product, whatever. Not really a product. This is not a product. It's not what I mean. But I never spoke on just specifically like relationships. Now in Abide, which is a spiritual warfare training, some, some of you know it, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, it's a two-day seminar. And basically I'm teaching people to get an understanding of how you deal with things in the spirit realm, coming from your identity in Christ, from authority, and kind of having your eyes open into where the enemy is at work and in operation. I literally touch on relationships for like one second. Um, I talk on a little bit of communication, how the spirit realm works and stuff. You're dealing with the demonic. Now, when it comes to anything that I'm going to teach about, just so you know, you are always going to get a background of the spirit realm. That is how I see things. What God has done in my life and what I've had to walk through and what I've had to see, I had to have my eyes just wide open to the spirit realm. And if I didn't have them open to the spirit realm, if I wasn't looking at that, what happens? We fight against flesh and blood. That's what happens. And so many Christians, they're living today fighting against flesh and blood. That's all they're dealing with. Anything that we go through, a problem that we have, whether it's at work, whether it's your family member, whether it's a friendship, no matter what it is, how many times would you like to say you'd like to blame somebody? Somebody is in your life causing an issue, right? Um, that's pretty normal, you know? And so what I think that I had to come into my life when I had huge revelation about this, about how the demonic works through people, was when I got stalked by that guy. So any of you who know my story, part of it is when I was 24, I fell for a guy um, and he took me like, you know, no other, just came after me, pursued me, swept me off my feet, was everything that I wanted, everything that you could imagine. It looked so perfect in the natural, like boxed up perfectly, right? That's how the enemy works. Trust me. He knows us so well. He knows our weaknesses. He knows your desires. He knows things about you that you don't even know about yourself. And so when this guy comes into my life, he was absolutely everything that I thought that I could have wanted. Everything on the outside. When he turned my life upside down, and it literally was like the enemy slipping me something very slowly. That drugs came back into my life. Stuff secretly got into every single area of my life by something that looked perfect, looked great. Meaning sometimes you're going to take candy down that has poison in it. And we get deceived by things that we don't realize because of the brokenness in our soul. The reason that guy was ever 
allowed into my life was because the broken parts of my soul that were in so much need of attention, of love, of somebody tell me that they wouldn't leave me. And you know, I'd been, you know, abandoned. I had my mom commit suicide, then my sister died. And then I have this guy come in who's head over heels telling me everything that I desired to know, everything in me wanted to hear. Everybody in the natural, we all have these desires. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're the most sanctified preacher. Everybody has these natural desires. The problem is, is when that natural desire does not get filled with the Holy Spirit, it becomes a complete hook to the enemy. And so what that became to me was that I took something that seemed perfect, seemed like it was going to be from God. You know, it, it's not like he wasn't what I thought into Jesus and those things. He wasn't, you know, sometimes people tell you what you want to hear to get you to, to do something that they want you to do. Okay. And uh, we just sometimes want to hear it. And, and there's still so much in it that you know is not true, but yet you just take it because you're, you're so broken. You want to hear it. It makes you feel good in the moment, but you know, it's not right. And that's what I did. And so everything came out over time, slipped in to such a level of demonic that honestly, like when I think back of what I really went through, Mm. it's a story that most people wouldn't relate to because you wouldn't believe that the demonic can work to this degree. I mean, some of the stuff I could tell you would blow your absolute mind up. And I don't know if God just allowed me to come face to face with a person that could do that to another person so that I could teach so that I would have my eyes open to how much the spirit realm operates through people. Now this isn't supposed to give you guys the ability to walk out of here and be like, I knew you were demonized <laughs> to, to somebody when you leave. That I'm trying, I'm not trying to give you ammo for that, to go back to your relationship and be like, I knew this was the devil and everything. No, I'm giving you kind of a hardcore story because I want you to get your eyes open to understanding how the demonic works in us and through other people. So, I mean, I had to get smacked with it to the point of this man having dreams when I would be hiding out in places um, to get away. He had dreams of the addresses and could show up in the middle of the night. He would tell me God told him. No. You know, I knew something wasn't right. I knew there was something evil. Like to a place of such supernatural weird stuff that would happen. That at some point, you just got to get smacked in the head to say there's a lot. There's something more going on here than what we see in the natural. It's why I yell at people about the spirit realm. It's why I'm always talking about it. I'm like, if there's one thing that we, the church, need to get open to, it's understanding what is going on behind the scenes. We are a spirit. We live in the natural. We were created from a spirit. To not have our eyes open to the spirit realm in every situation, no matter if it's a relationship, we are blind if we don't. But it doesn't mean that we go into situations and we blame the devil overtaking acknowledgement of our own brokenness in the things that we do. So when I wanted to come at this subject, I had to look at it from my own life and realize that the areas in my life that have endured broken relationships and issues within relationships always came from the brokenness in me. Always. Always. We'd like to say that it's always the brokenness in the other person. No. People are always going to be broken. But it's the brokenness in you that allows them to hurt us. I believe there's an ability to live within torment or abuse or somebody who's just doing you wrong, betraying you, hurting you. I believe there's an ability that we can live in it the same way Jesus did. And I think too many times we look at Jesus' life like it's unattainable. But when I was going over the subject 
in scripture. All I know is that God kept leading me to the scriptures that would tell me that it is attainable. That some of these things are attainable. I want to live where betrayal and unforgiveness or pain that would cause unforgiveness. I want to live where that stuff doesn't touch me, where rejection doesn't touch me. Because the reason that there's brokenness in relationships is because of those things that have happened to us. Because of rejection, because of betrayal, because of abuse, because of the things that have happened to us, whether it started in childhood or whether their first experience was it in the teenage years. It doesn't matter. There's things that get carried on in the lives of every single person. And what happens is a crippledness in our soul is projected in all relationships. I don't expect to teach something like this so that we go out of there to change the other person. No, this is to change us. It's to give us the ability to live in peace with every person you come in contact with because they can no longer affect your heart. So when I, was, when I felt like God was showing me this was going to come out of a painful season, I'm the last person to talk on relationships. Let's just put that out there. We will acknowledge that to people who are thinking about that. And I appreciate laughing. And honestly, like I haven't dated in 10 years because I was stalked. Okay? I have, I have walked away from about 20 different girlfriends in my life. Like, almost like a female womanizer. <laughs> so I looked at her. I was going back and checking in. My dad called me out on this and was like, you did this since childhood. Since you were like 12 years old, you have walked away from multiple friendships. And I've done it even into my 30s. I went back and wrote a list, literally over like 20 girls. I was like, whoa. That almost looks like I'm a dude <laughs> that like, dates a lot of girls that I have walked away from that many relationships. Where the heck did that come from? And my dad said, you know, because I, I would have said it came from death. It came from the fact that I lost my sister. I have the ability to shut off. My dad said, you did this as a child. He thinks that it was from watching, watching my mom lock out. That I just learned, hey, it's easy to walk away from somebody. That's what you do. So my point is, I'm not getting up here and telling you that I'm the person that's going to teach you how to live a functional life. <laughs> I'm going to teach you how things happen in the spirit realm. And because I believe that God is doing something in my life that to where this message is now coming out of. Because things have been exposed. God did something it through my, into my, like my heart this last year. Where it was exposing all the things that were the leftover seeds that remained from my past. Because here I am having a ministry, I'm teaching people deliverance, I'm doing inner healing every day. But there was still brokenness that I couldn't get at. Sometimes there's so much brokenness in us that what happens is the Holy Spirit will take a shovel to your root system. He will take a shovel. And there's times that you can only go so far to your root system. Why? Because it's so incredibly painful and the Holy Spirit will watch out for that. And then there's another time where he's going to say, I'm going to come at you and I'm going to take you deeper. And it's almost like I went into a season where it was like, I'm getting a shovel taken to my root system. How deep do my roots really go? Can they go deeper, Sarah? Can they go deeper? There's a place that I know that God says that we can live in where our hearts are fully intertwined with his spirit, where rejection and betrayal cannot live, where the seeds of the enemy cannot live, because you are in that place that nothing else can touch you. And it's an attainable place. And I truly believe that with all my heart because I think that I've taught on these subjects for so long about inner healing and the brokenness and that, you know, that it's almost like you're always, always, always going to be broken. That's not what it is. It's being open to letting the Holy Spirit take you deeper into the areas to uproot things to get you to live in more peace. The only problem is that when you've got to go deep like that, 
It is so painful. I was totally getting, I feel like, a really good picture of this today. It's like, okay, you get stabbed and the knife stays in you. What does a person learn to do like who loses their arm? Or if you have a knife that stays in you, you learn to live with it like that. So you learn, you, you see somebody who lost their arm. They learn to live without that arm anymore. You learn to live, well, maybe there was a knife right there. That's how we as humans live. We have stuff happen to us, and what we do is we just keep moving forward, and we learn to function around it. When the Holy Spirit comes in and says, I'm going to remove something from you, when that knife gets pulled back, or if you get a new arm getting placed back on you, guess what? There's pain, and there's recovery, and there's something that goes worse. Sometimes how I look at it, I look at the removal of the pain is sometimes just as painful as it was when it got there. Why? Because you've learned to function around the pain. You have learned to have mindsets around the pain. You've learned how to protect the pain. You've learned how to talk through the pain, to hear through the pain, meaning your ears are filtered by the pain. That's the way you live. So I had certain things when it came to death, man, death, death. Death was a huge filter on me, a huge thing. I learned to live around death, meaning I learned to always run from fear of loss, always. So the always the way that I lived, I was going to fear abandonment, fear rejection, fear of loss. Sarah learned to live in these walls that navigated anything that would bring that trigger in. So even when getting set free from drug addiction, even when being set free from depression, suicide, no matter what it was, guess what? There were still things that were so deeply rooted into the, the, the core, the core of my soul. And some people always hear my story and they think it's to like this level degree that's not for me. And I promise you, these seeds are so tiny and tricky how they get in. Everybody's got them. And sometimes it's very, very hard to get deeper into it. I believe that dysfunction in relationships and the way that we respond to people are because of these deep-rooted things. Because we have the ability to live in every relationship, I don't care how bad it is, in some sort of peace. Because your soul is untouchable because God is intertwined in every area. So God gave me a picture of my heart. Told me he wants me to get to a place where I'm knit together fully with him. Now, I am going to scripture. I have scriptures written down this time. How long have I not had like any scriptures, anything that I won't even talk on? Because God kept showing me Psalms 139, being with, that we were knit together. So I wanted to go in. I needed to understand if that word what it really could be like translated when you go into the original. What did that really show? There's different, actually, a couple different scriptures that use the word knit. And here's what's really interesting, because I'm going to talk about soul ties. Because soul ties is a very interesting thing when you come into the spirit realm and what it means to be knit with another soul. Because that's what will mess us up. It's the knitting together with another soul that is not intertwined with the spirit of God. Meaning, I don't care if you're even married. It doesn't matter. I'm talking about where you knit yourself together with something that is not the Holy Spirit. When you get married, you will become one. But you are to be fully knit through the Holy Spirit. That when that person comes alongside, you are fully in him. That there's an ability to live in a certain place because of that place of your soul fully knit with the Father. Okay, so Psalms 139. 
<laughs> you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me in the in you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. So here's what I believe. I believe that we were made, well, I don't believe. I know we were made into the image of God, right? But we have the natural man. We have the soul. We have the things that are always going to have been the part of us that have been hurt, that have had pain. But if we go back to the place of who God made us to be in the womb, when he spoke words over your life, when he ordained the things of head of you, he knows every hair that is on your head, that there's an ability to be that intertwined and knit together with the Father, to where your clarity in your mind of what you hear is his spirit. Because anytime something comes from the opposite, it is subject to that voice that's much louder. So when the demonic introduces fear of rejection, when the demonic introduces fear or anxiety or anything that would come against this voice, you are intertwined with this voice. You are not intertwined with that voice. How do you get intertwined with that voice? Pain. Hurt. People that said stuff about you. Things you've experienced. Your soul gets intertwined with that. With the lies. Now if we are to be knit together with the spirit of God. Meaning there's an ability to hear all truth. Even when that stuff creeps in. There's a place of the heart. Now I feel, I believe that God was showing me. When you want to live in peace in relationships. It's about the place of your heart. It is not just about breaking down all the brokenness on other people or breaking down how demons mess up communication and how they target because that's what's going to come out of it. When I talk about this and I want to deal with communication just in the spirit realm, let's just say in marriage or in friendships, all it comes down to is they play on the broken parts of your soul. I mean, I could explain this in such crazy ways of how when I could be doing deliverances on somebody and get it in the spirit realm, what is happening to that person that is in them and on them that is causing this thing, that's causing this, this anxiety is in them because of this brokenness. And now the demonic is working from that person into there. And there's a thing, there's this, there's this attachment. What does it come down to? It comes down to the brokenness in the soul, meaning it comes down to the pain in the heart. And like going into the subject of like the soul, the heart, and those words in scripture, um, they, they kind of get interchanged is where it is. So you'll, you, you hear that in the heart, like the word is, if I would believe pronounced cardia is one of the, the Greek words used. It's like the inner man. Now I wouldn't say that's like the spirit, okay? It depends on what you believe and how you see soul, spirit intertwined in that. But the heart has the ability to have pain and it has the ability to have truth and just the spirit of God in it. How do I know that? Because of how much scripture talks about this. How much the heart is talked about, about the hardening and how um, just that faith comes from the heart. There's so many. I'm getting 20 million in my head right now and I have to stop. Hold on. Okay, because I'm going to start going on like 30 scriptures and I'm not going to do that. So I want to go into, let me, because i got to build my case. I'm at the end and we're still in the middle. Okay, so let me address this part of the heart coming from, from the scripture about guarding the heart, okay? This is uh, Proverbs 4.20. Many of you, I'm sure you guys hear it all the time. People say this, like, guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart. You always hear Christianese and Christian people saying, guard your heart. Do you ever go, what does that mean? How do I guard my heart? 
Because that's what I said. Because to me, here's how I took guarding the heart. It meant, back up, boundaries. How do you see boundaries? Oh, we all have a lot of different ideas of boundaries. I see boundaries as just kicking somebody in the butt really hard to get away from me. That's a boundary, right? Like we all have our ideas of what boundaries are, what that is. So guarding my heart to me meant I'm bolting on you. Get away from me. That's how I guard my heart. You want to know how I guard? I get soldiers out in front of it, right? So I had to go into this in scripture. God, I want to understand. I want to get this part. Teach me on what it is about our heart. How do these things happen to our heart? How do these things get into our heart? And so, Proverbs 4.20. I'm not going to give the whole scripture. He says, don't lose sight of them. Like, pay attention to, to, his, to his words. He goes, let them penetrate deep into your hearts. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to the whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. There's also scripture that says, for uh, what is in the heart is an overflow out of the mouth. We know that scripture too. I got so many on here. The treasury of an evil heart, what you say flows from what is in your heart. So the inner part of you, the source of you, that's going to come out your mouth. It's going to come out your eyes. It's going to be what you think about. Why do you, like, I remember when I, I was, I was like in San Francisco one time and I really wanted to pray for a, um, like a, a non-saved homeless person and do deliverance on them, okay? I just really wanted to, okay? Like, I wanted to do a deliverance on like just somebody out in the streets. And I told Jesus this. So we were walking around and I knew he was going to let me do it. And he, I kept hearing, nope, 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 going by all these guys. And then I wasn't getting it, wasn't getting it. The craziest one on the street looked the worst. He goes, that's it. Okay? I go up to this guy, tatted, like in black tattoos, head to toe. Uh, he was almost like, a, you know, bent over. You could tell the spine had taken. It would be every person would have ran from this guy. And God said, that's the one. When I started talking to this guy, man, nobody would have talked to him. I promise you. You know what? This may be. I don't know if this is offensive. I don't think it's offensive because they're not watching this. But you know Lord of the Rings, the bald guy? What's his name? Gollum. Yeah, with Gollum. Okay, like straight up Gollum. Okay, like it was that bad. Okay, and like all tattooed black. Okay, all over his body. When I started talking to him, the nicest guy had something horrible happen to him as a child. When somebody, like an ant, got on him and he felt a demonic thing come in him and he told me that he tatted himself up to keep demons away from him. Now as he's talking to me and I got done with the conversation with him, God said, you want to know why it was him? He said, I knew his heart. That's why. Everybody would have looked at that guy and not picked him. Because it's the inner man. It's what's in us. It's the hardened heart and it's the soft heart. You know, I could lay hands on somebody and their deliverance would be so easy, yet they could be a drug addict and that person over there only has anxiety and I couldn't touch that anxiety. Why? Hardening of the hearts. Meaning desperation, even in the sin, creates a heart that is open. There's people that have hardening of hearts, yet they're religious and they sound really good with scripture. You wouldn't know. It's what is seen. It's what God sees. That's why people don't understand certain things, even just how, like somebody who could be having something on the outward that looks so not okay to the church world, yet the anointing flows on them. That'll mess you up. It's the foolishness of God. That's really what that stuff is, because he sees what we don't see. 
That's the part of our heart. That's why the part of the heart, the understanding of what scripture says about the heart is so important because everything flows from the heart. So what I was learning is like God was like all the pain, all the things that come in, they come into this source that I want for all of me. And scripture teaches to give us the ability of how do we do that. So if our heart, if an overflow of our heart, if our mouth is an overflow of the heart, if the evil is the overflow of the heart, if what you say, if what you see comes out of the heart, but then it also says that your part has to actually believe to have faith. Faith also comes out of the heart. When I was looking into like studying the parts of heart, I'm going to tell you all the things that come from heart in scripture. What scripture says actually comes of the heart. I'm going to give you like, it's like 10 of them, Okay. This is scripture-based, and I'm not going to give you all scripture on it, but so you understand what actually comes out of your heart. Grief, joy, the desires you have, the affections you have, the perceptions you have, your thoughts, your understanding, your reasoning powers, your imaginations, conscience, intentions, purpose, will, and faith. All of those come out of the inner being of you, out of the heart. How important is it to guard it? So then I had to understand, God, when it comes into, like, relationships, how do we not guard our hearts in relationships? I can give you a perfect example just if we look into soul ties and the understanding of soul ties. A lot of people don't know what soul ties are, and if they do know, they think of soul ties as um, only something that happens if you sleep with another person and it comes through sex. Who in here has actually heard of soul ties? Like, heard of it? Okay. So let me give. Now, this is Sarah's theory. Like, you may hear another deliverance teach this totally different, but I'm going to teach it from my experience and what I can find in scripture and how I see soul ties. Because I actually believe soul ties are something that happened in every, almost every single relationship. This is how the brokenness in relationships happen. It's because your soul gets tied to something other than God. It's having a broken openness in the heart that ties up with something else. Now, people who give a perfect example is going to say it's with sex. As soon as you sleep with the opposite sex, you intertwine your soul. How do you know that? Well, then the scripture says that when you married, you become one. You're, you leave your mother and your father, and you become, you're joined as one spirit. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 16, okay? It says, when two are united unto one, the person is joined to the Lord and one spirit with them. So saying when you get married, you become one with that person. But then there's another scripture that, um, did I even put that one? Oh, yeah, that was the same. That was one. Okay. Um, there's another. No, 1 Corinthians, this is the one I was just talking about. This is talking about when a man joins himself with a prostitute. I used the wrong one. I said when he's married. No, that was the other one. When he joins himself with a prostitute, he becomes one with her. Then the other scripture in Mark 10, 7 and 9 talks about when marriage, you become one with them. Meaning you can become one with a prostitute. So this is where people get the soul ties from because they have sex out of marriage. But here's the thing. When you go to David and uh, Jonathan in the Old Testament and Samuel, it talks about that their souls were knit together. Which is interesting. This is, a, this is knit together again. That we've been knit together in our mother's womb. But talks about that they loved each other so much that their souls were intertwined. Jonathan and David. Best friends. They actually made covenant promises to each other through this friendship. Now I've actually heard this taught on as being one of the most dysfunctional soul ties. I heard a sermon on this. Jonathan and David's soul intertwined. For the most part, it's not taught like that. It's taught as a very healthy friendship. That they come together and the soul gets intertwined. I have actually seen soul ties happen through social media. 
Meaning not even having to meet a person. It comes with the fantasizing of the mind. Meaning like a female or a male will get interested in somebody. Let's just say it was a website, a dating website or something like that. Their soul, their heart, their soul, the focus becomes on this person that turns into a fantasy in the mind. And what it does is it opens the door in the spirit realm. And the soul has latched onto something that was not from the Holy Spirit. And it, what does it do? It shifts the direction of the mind. It shifts the direction of the focus. What happens is when the soul is able to intertwine and connect with something in that way, it's the focus. It's a direction. It's how you see something. It's what you think on something. Somebody will sit, and they'll sit, and they'll fantasize and think and think and think and think and think about the person. They can't stop thinking about them. They can't stop daydreaming about them. And all of a sudden, you're intertwined in the spirit realm. And then that person can do something, an action, a word, a behavior, something that triggers you. Why? Because your soul got intertwined. All of a sudden, you react out of it. Man, if we had our eyes open, how quickly that can break off of a person that somebody is controlled, manipulated, um, and almost owned in their soul through a torment because they opened up their soul to intertwine with something else. And then because they did that, this is where the attacks can happen on somebody. And I mean, I could get into this just with the symbolists of dating or social media or something like that. But if we understand the depths of a soul tie when it gets into relationships and friendships and marriages and your parents. So I had a soul tie with my sister after she died. Now this is stuff that will kind of mess you up and be weird, okay? And I remember somebody saying it to me for the first time. They heard me speaking and she had an inner healing ministry. And uh, she said, I got this feeling when you're speaking that God wants to heal you of a soul tie with your sister still. It completely offended me that she would say that because I'm like, How, don't even talk about my dead sister and try to tell me if I had any unhealthy attachment. That's not even like for me. That was a very protective thing to not even touch. Well, two years later is when the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. Now, this is my example of trying to tell you in an understanding when it comes to relationships, when it comes to God exposing things within us that are broken, that are causing the issues within relationships, when the hitting of your root system, sometimes the hitting of your root system is going to be the Holy Spirit allowing every single person around you to trigger you, to trigger every single thing. How do you get faith? You get triggered with fear. How do you learn trust? You get triggered with fear. So I got a huge trigger relationally, having no idea why I got so close to this person. Very, very, very close relationship with a female. And I knew I felt bound by it. I knew, but something in me felt that I had to save them and help them. And I didn't understand how deeply rooted it was attached to saving my sister and her dying. I had no idea. I just knew that I felt like I had to make sure they were always going to be okay. No matter what they were going through, I was always going to save them. It became so dysfunctional that God allowed a complete severing of the relationship that broke me so hard. And he hit me like a ton of bricks. This is about your sister. And it went back to the day that I had to say goodbye to her on her deathbed. And she told me she was going to die. And I said, no, you're not. And I didn't believe it. And I walked out. And from that day, from those last three months that I did not believe she was going to die, did I was running from her, was running from being at the hospital because I was so angry at stuff. All the fears, all the anger, all the feeling that I failed her when she actually did die 
I carried that in my soul. She was my best friend. Like I, we slept in the same bed. We were so unhealthily attached, me and her, that it was like, it was one of the strongest soul ties I've ever had in my entire life was my sister. So when she died, did it mean that my soul got healed later? No, I still had the tie to her. And it came out in relationships, the way I was navigating other relationships was to save them because I failed her. Somebody can't understand like the, the way that the soul works. When you focus in and you direct something that is outside of the spirit of God, God is our savior. I was never my sister's savior. I never was supposed to be that attached to where I gave up my entire life for her. It's never supposed to be that way. It just wasn't. There was a way that I lived and it still was in me in my 30s. So when the Holy Spirit starts coming in and saying, you have a soul tie to somebody who's not even alive that's coming out and you are now soul tying to all these other people, meaning I'm intertwining my soul with something that's not him. That's how I want to teach soul ties, the understanding of it. It was part of my heart was being lodged in and intertwined with something other than him. Meaning I believe that we can have this in so many different areas. It even comes to addictions. It even comes to vices. It comes to anything you intertwine yourself in that is a focus and takes you out of the direction of the Holy Spirit. It then becomes an opening and a hook in the spirit realm that things are able to work and navigate and will cause the brokenness in relationships and the brokenness in your life and it will become an overflow of pain. And so Holy Spirit comes in. Root. Oh my goodness. You want to understand having to get to the root pain of my sister. It's like no other type of way of having to, to, to have the shovel go. <laughs> like that, I would say, I mean, I can't even tell you how hard it had to go. Because the trigger in me that came from her death was so deep and so beyond what I can ever explain. Like I can't even go into all the other stuff. Like I can't touch it. I could never touch the, even the death of my mom when it talks about this part. If we understood how things can get so deeply rooted in us, like to where it's like, in, it's not to put on you that now you got to go through multiple years of you being dug out and dug out and dug out. Here's what I think. I think God allows me to go through some stuff so that I can get you guys to places pretty a lot quicker. I'm serious. Um, I just believe that that's just been part of the stuff that I've gone through. I've never had an immediate deliverance. I've seen people delivered instantly and I had to walk that stuff out. Why? I teach on it. So when I talk about, man, this was it's because I wish I would have heard this last year. <laughs> you know, right? Can I preach to myself back then? That's what I think all the time. I'm like, if I could just preach to these times in my life where I'm at now, it's to bring impartations to people. It's to teach on this stuff. It's to say, hey, Holy Spirit, I'm going to allow you right now. Just hit this root system. Take it out. Take it out. If, do I have a soul tied to somebody? Do I have a soul tied to an addiction? Do I have a soul tied to a vice? Am I operating in fear of rejection in every relationship that I'm in because of this? Do I walk around with this guard over my heart and I think it's the right way of protecting my heart and it's not. It's the inability to love because I don't have the softness in that area yet because I had to put up the guard in pain. So that's what happened. When my sister died, it was like a room in my heart. God showed me this. And I'm sure I'm sharing it for a reason because I think people are going to relate to this and you've never got words to put on it, okay, when I share this stuff. Show me that there was a room. When she died, this room went dark. 
everything went dark. Meaning every, the way that I lived, the, the way I hoped for marriage or the way that I hoped for a future, for family, or just had hope for a good life, it all went dark. Meaning I, hope instantly left me when she died, and I know that to be true. Hope instantly left me for, for good things. Meaning I just could not believe I could ever open my heart to a male or to children because they would die. Something was going to happen to them. That room went dark. Two years ago when God said, I have to get into this room. You, nobody is going to get into it until you let me into it first. I wouldn't even let him into it. What happened? I learned to live with the knife in me. I learned to operate every relationship, even run a ministry with the knife in me without the arm. Because that room, shut, closed, put aside. Now, this was two years ago. This is when I did Staying in Freedom. Were you, Lori, you were in Staying in Freedom, weren't you? No, you weren't. Okay, so Staying in Freedom, and I touched on this. I touched on the area of the heart, getting to this place in the heart. Now, this was two years ago, and I thought that that was going to be it. (laughs) A year later, and Jesus is like, no, you still haven't gotten fully into this space. Your heart still isn't open yet because what got so deeply rooted in there was this inability, inability to get into relationship where the heart can be so open because it's fully intertwined with his spirit. Gosh, it's an ability of vulnerability, you guys. It's a place of where your heart can be so vulnerable. You don't have fear in the vulnerability because it's so intertwined with his spirit. That all the vulnerability goes back to Jesus. That's what he was showing me. He's like, you can get to a place, Sarah. You can say, I love you. I've never been, I'm not even to my own family. I couldn't say, I love you. I couldn't hug. I couldn't sit close. I slept with my sister in every bed when we would go on trips when she would have treatments. We'd, she'd have a tiny little bed. I'd end up in the bed with her. That's how close we were. After she died, I wasn't able to sleep in a bed next to somebody. Even my, me and my girlfriends would go on a trip. I could not be in the same bed. Like I literally got that messed up in my head that this severing of this box had to take place and everybody had to be outside of it. And it just, we lived within that brokenness. I lived within that brokenness and it just worked. Because guess what? Everything outside of that really dark room got healed. Why was it the last to go? The deeper part of the root system. What's the hardest thing for me to believe? Believe and have hope because of that loss. That's the deepest, deepest area of the root that went so deep down. You will find in relationships that you have that you will function out of these parts of your heart. This room of your heart that's healthy can navigate your child because you know how to love your child. Man, you know how to love your child. That is part of you. That part of your heart knows how to be vulnerable with that child, right? But this room over here doesn't work quite properly with your parents or whatever because maybe they abused you. Maybe you lost this parent and this parent, there's dysfunction. So this room over there can't operate in the vulnerability that this room of this heart could. If we could understand that we actually can have parts of our heart that work differently like that. How do you have sin and holiness in the same body? How do you have the Holy Spirit and actually the demonic? Now, some people say you can't. Yes, you can. (laughs) I will just yell that at every church. Yes, you can. I don't care who you are. Yes, you can. You can have the demonic harass 
And you can have be Holy Spirit filled, speaking in tongues, doing the whole thing, and yet they're also harassed over there. How does that pastor still struggle with pornography? Or how does that person still struggle with addiction? But yeah, they're prophetic. They love Jesus. Yeah, well, how can your heart navigate in different ways because of that part? Because of the brokenness? I'm going to another scripture. Okay, Matthew 5, 28. But I say, okay, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he's breaking down the Ten Commandments. Now he's talking on, I don't remember which one adultery is, maybe the seventh or something, I don't remember. But he's basically talking about adultery. So he says, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust. So this word in the original, it meant to desire, set your heart upon, meaning it, could, it was used in some scriptures as a good desire. Okay, but he's saying he, any man that sets his heart upon, who desires, desires something that's forbidden, okay, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. When the heart went to a place of desiring something that was forbidden, opening himself up. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, to desire something forbidden, gouge it out, throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than the whole body be thrown into hell. Yet, then there's the scripture, Romans 10.10, for it is by believing in your heart that you've been made right with God and openly declaring by faith that you're saved. The heart has the ability... To have allowed something instantly in it, like lust, by just your eyes, by just setting your eyes upon, it's as if you already did it. Because it dirties the heart. It dirties the purity. But if you set your heart on believing that you're in right standing, that you're righteous under Christ Jesus, you're righteous through his Death is burials, resurrection. That is who you are in the spirit realm. If you set your heart on that, yet you believe in your heart that's who you are. Oh, the ability of the heart. The ability of the heart. If we understood it, then we can have the darkness in the heart and we can have the light. Yet so many people love to set their heart upon the pain and the brokenness and the opposite, the torment, the rejection. They set their eyes. They set their soul. They intertwine with the opposite. Yet if we set our eyes over here, you know, there's stuff like this that people will get set free in their heart by directing their eyes over there. Just like that. That's what God was saying. Sarah, this room, just open the door to me. It doesn't have to be all this pain. Open the door to me. From this loss and this death that you endured. But here's the problem. I am very strong-willed. Man, I like gird my feet in like nobody's business. I am almost like one of the, I can be one of the most difficult people if I set my eyes on something. It's like, a, ugh, it happens in me. It's really what made me super dangerous as a drug addict because I was like that. And then it made me really good in deliverance, <laughs> dealing with the demonic, because I'm like that. It's a redirection of my eyes. But here's the thing. When I believe something, I'm going to believe it. Oh, I will shift everything in me to believe and stand and know that that's true. So what happened? When my sister died, man, I believed that. I saw it. That's what that became in me with death. 
that I could lose. That God allowed me to lose that. Oh, that belief. That was it. It was done. It was in me. So when you have the ability in your soul and in your mind to get like that, to really latch on to something, that is when something has to come in harder to break that, that ground up, to break that root system up. And like I said, that can be more painful. What happens is God will allow. He will allow. He doesn't do it. I don't believe he's coming in and doing this. He allowed those things to happen in my life, to be the trigger, to make me go, where is this torment from? How is this allowing torment? Do you ever feel like you're totally fine when you're alone and then get with a person and now it's not good anymore? You're good by yourself, but that person, and that's their fault. They're just annoying. They're just my problem. And it's like, no, like really, like my problem's in me. And the problem is, is that I'm okay when I'm alone with my cat. But then you go put me with this person over there and they trigger all these things in me that why are they getting so triggered? Those are those spaces that God will let you get into. He'll allow you to get into to say why. What is that in you? You're not intertwined with me. How does that rejection operate in you? How is that person allowed to abuse you? Why do those words touch you? I spoke words over you when I knit you together. In your mother's womb, I spoke them over you. Why do those words get heard louder than my words that were knit into you? That's truth. It is. It is what we can live in. Then when anything comes from someone else, anything that we're involved in, that comes from things where abuse is, is like, I think I like always, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that certain situations, abusive situations, get out. 100%, there's things. Then there's some that people can't get out. Meaning like, let's just say it's an ex-husband, an ex-wife, and you have to have a relationship with them because you have children. You can't get out of that. You can't. You're, you're stuck in it. Or it's a parent. You have to have Christmas or Thanksgiving with them. What does God do with that? Because I don't believe God would always tell us to, to remove ourselves from certain things. I believe he says, I give you the ability to withstand. Because those words can't touch you. I think of if I ever ran into that guy who so badly verbally abused me. And he created so many things in my heart. Everything he said, I took and believed. A lot of us live like that. There are things that someone will say over you, you think you don't, but you instantly believe it. It becomes like a thing inside of you, it defines you, it makes you who you are. You get a belief system, then self-hatred comes in, fear of rejection comes in, like all these things come in because you chose to take that and believe it. Yet if I was to ever run into him again and you think he said one word to me, do you think it would even touch me now? It would absolutely not even touch me, it would not phase me, it would not hurt me, I would not get offended, I wouldn't take it personal, why? Because my heart is no longer intertwined in those broken areas to where he could say something where I could take that seed and believe it. Because the, those parts of my heart are intertwined with the Spirit of God. His words are always going to be louder now. But does that mean that's every situation? No, because there's still those areas. There's still those things. There's still the things of the, the removal of the stuff that God's still uprooting. I truly believe that when people are stuck in verbal abuse or you deal with this with somebody in your life, 
that if you've allowed it to make a world around you, if you've allowed it to create words around you, to produce who you are, that you just believe that to be who you are, then there's a space that you need to get to. You need to step away. You need to step away. Some people are in it so bad that they have to get away. They have to get to the place with God to ever go back in it. But I believe that we can, if you are stuck in that situation, in those relationships, where you experience, where there's verbal things spoken over you, said to you, where it will not touch you, because your heart is so guarded, it is so intertwined, it is so in him, that nothing touches you there. Nothing touches us. So I had to get to this place If God was saying, now I need you to go into this room, this room that went dark when your sister died. This room that now you just learned to function, you learned to live in, or you learned to live out of, nobody got in. And God said, I need to get in it first before you're ever going to let somebody else in it. I believe that when it comes to marriage, it comes to the opposite sex. Anybody who, whether you're in marriage, you're going to get married. If your heart isn't fully held by God's hand in that relationship or before you step into a relationship... You, to me, it's like, this just happens in the spirit realm, like an explosion. Because there's so much in our hearts that if you are not in this pure intimacy with the Father, to where when things come up against you, when there's triggers in relationship, that you don't learn to run and get on your knees to him first before you ever run to the spouse, that's the space you got to live in to get your heart in the palm of his hand. God does not hand our hearts to the opposite sex and take his hand off of it. And you, God was telling you that part of opening up this room in my heart of when my sister died was going to be, I'm going to trust you, God, to get into this space and let me see this death differently. How? Because you want to know what the hugest rooting, God, if we could just, it's not even about the soul ties that I got with a friend over my sister's death. It was about the inability to fully trust God. The inability. There are some things that we see in our life, you guys, that if you understood the deep root system of in, like trust that takes place, like, man, like, I don't think I realized how hard, how hard that could have gotten in me and happened, like, to the degree that I thought I was doing pretty good by what I'm doing in ministry. Like, I thought it showed pretty well, God. Look how well I trust you. Like, look how I've just jumped out on a ledge. Look how I've just given everything up. Look how I'll just throw out this event or do this, and I trust you. Like, look, it's obvious. I trust you, even though I've been through all this. I trust you. He's like, no, you don't. You don't trust me. You don't fully trust me. Why, when all these things around you are bothering you, do you keep shaking? Because your rooting system isn't deep. It's not deep. I was, when I was talking on this at the last event about trust, about how there's times in your life that you will be shaken and shaken and shaken. And in Hebrews 12, it talks about the shaking. Yeah, it's Hebrews 12. And I know that what I've endured when there's like shaking and shaking and shaking, it's because God is saying, when are you going to stop shaking? When are you going to... Allow everything to fall off of you to where your rooting system, you can't shake anymore. 
So when I was thinking through this, like how how was I gonna how was this gonna come out of me about relationships? Because I knew he was saying this is all about the heart. It's an ability to live in relationships in peace through the heart. That I I felt like God. I was like God. How I need completion. Give me the closure. Like in my head, I need to understand how can we have this fullness in our heart that is all in you. And this is like I got this in my my sleep. The scripture Ephesians three um, nineteen. Mm. So it, when Paul is praying, that he prays for the church of Ephesus, that they would know, um, that they would know the love of God. That scripture actually, and it's talking about a love that surpasses knowledge, the height, the depth, the width, and length of the love of God. A love that is, we cannot comprehend. It surpasses all knowledge and understanding. And he says that you would be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do more than we ask or imagine according to the powers that work in us. And this is what I was hearing the Holy Spirit say. To be filled to the measure. There's a filling that's to take place in our lives. Meaning you're not just complete when you give your life to God. There's a part of our heart that has to be filled constantly with his spirit. Constantly. Meaning when you're being filled, what's going to happen? The overflow of the dirt is going to come out. So it can tend to feel painful when he goes to the space and he says, I'm going to allow there to be a shaking. So I uproot. What is your rooting system? The thing is, is just because you're shaking doesn't mean you don't have a root system and he's creating it. No, I believe we already have previous root systems. Man, I girded my feet in to the, to the fear of loss after my sister died. It was my root system. It's how I protected myself. It's how I lived everything. I rooted into that mindset. That's how I lived. And I felt that I, other people were stupid if they didn't live like that. I remember meeting girls in Bible school and the way they would talk about life and marriage. And I was like, oh, you sweet little naive thing. Just wait until you actually endure some pain in your life and you think you're going to go around with hope like that. That's a joke. That's literally how I thought. I believed that hope was making yourself vulnerable and dumb. <laughs> Serious. Like, I was more safe if I didn't hope. Then I couldn't lose anything. That was my root system. That made more sense to me. So when you get somebody come in and tell me that God, your source of hope will fill you with all joy and peace if you trust in him. No, I trusted in this because he let me down. God is the source of hope. Now I say, God, what you were as a source to me was a thief. That's how I saw him. Whether you like to admit it or not, many of us have, have made God your checklist of who he really is in your head. People just don't admit it. Oh, some of you, he is a thief. He hurts you. He allowed it. He's an abuser. He betrayed you. Trust me, I know what goes deep, deep down in our hearts that we just shift aside because it doesn't sound Christianese. It doesn't sound Christian to think that way. What happens? It's still in the back of your head because of what you saw and because of what you experienced. So God was this still this checklist because of this pain. Even though I believed in him, I loved him, my feet were girded in this over here. Because deep, deep down, I had seen this with my eyes. Now, people would just get real in front of people. What happens is the Holy Spirit uproots stuff in people's minds when I'm saying this stuff because I can feel it. Stuff starts coming up in them that has been so shoved down of the way that they saw him. Because what happens is when God is put on this checklist 
of the characteristics that are actually the devil's. You all of a sudden have a mindset directed toward the devil. Demonizing becomes very easy at that point. How is hopelessness and depression so easily in my soul to where I'd be diagnosed bipolar? Why? Because I was deeply rooted and girded into the mindsets that you don't hope and don't believe those things because this is the potential of what could happen to you. And a lot of people that I, I see, uh, that I believe that battle anxiety, that battle depression, oh, I truly believe, man, if, we, if you got to your rooting system, we'd get that out of your life. I mean, I had legit scientific symptoms of bipolar. Bipolar medicine worked for me. I did the things that happened. So a lot of people would say, oh, that's like a real problem. You had a chemical imbalance. No, I had a toxic mind. I had a toxic mind. And I'm not going to tell everybody that struggles with these things that that's what you have. But I would say get and look deeper in yourself. Because I promise you, if you go back to your checklist of the character of God, you're going to find out that you are not filled with the fullness of Christ. That is not what you're filled with. So everything that comes out in your relationships, everything that you operate in, is operating out of those things over there. And getting into those spaces in your heart can be some of the hardest and the most painful spaces to get to. Because I don't think I'd ever be willing to go to the place of how badly I didn't trust God unless I went into one of the worst shakings of my life and have to get tested. Do you trust him? Getting faced with your giants. How about any issues that you have in relationships allow it to be your giant to get you free? We walk into relationships and the stuff that we battle and we look at it as, God, I'm going to pray on my hands and knees. Change this person. <laughs> Just change them, God. I pray. I take authority over their spirits in the name of Jesus. I cast their mouth off. I've done it. Like, that's really, like, we go into... You want to know how a spirit of offense is working? When you wake up pissed at somebody, that's when it's at work. I wake up just so, like, oh my gosh, annoyed. And it's like harassing me of what this person did to me. And I can hear it in my sleep, and I wake up thinking of annoyance, and I have a legit right. Like, come on, don't tell me, like, some of these stuff, no, it's right. Like, you have a right to have a problem, okay, with this, what, what people can do. It is an injustice, right? Well, what's the problem? The demonic will latch onto that and literally put a seed in you that turns into the craziest torment. Guess what? That person's being harassed, too, in the spirit realm. Do you want to know something? Now, if I get scripture to prove this, you can take it or leave it, but Jesus will tell you to take it, so... Some of this stuff, I'm like, it's Sarah's theory. When we get to heaven, Jesus will be like, she was right. That's what I really feel like with some of the stuff that I'll say, because it is pure like experience of this stuff. When there's something that you take an offense or an issue with another person, here's what happens when you're dealing with it in the spirit realm. I promise you that the moment that you took the seed, there's almost a ping-ponging thing that happens, and the demonic attaches to it and attacks that person and hits them in an area. So what happens in the spirit realm, there's an agreement. This is how spirits get into the atmosphere of, let's just say, in marriages like disunity. 
Anytime that I'm dealing with a deliverance with marriages, I'm always going to say, in the atmosphere of your home, if I go in and I'm praying in the home, wherever it is, that there's always demonic spirits of these. These are the main um, ones. Whoever wants to know this for your house with marriage, okay? These are the main ones that I, that I see. And dissension, disunity, um, anger, uh, distortion, and chaos. Now, uh, distortion is going to be distortion of communication. Now, what do I say by this? Okay, when you're dealing with stuff in the atmosphere, like as I talk about, you know, the parable in the sower, and the seed is the word of God being spoken, and the devil comes in because the root system wasn't deep enough to take it. The devil comes in and steals it. There's stuff like that in the spirit realm as well. And when you're communicating... The brokenness on the soul of the other person. When you guys come head to head into things like that, what happens in the spirit realm is that they come into agreement because you are not in the fullness of Christ to see it in awareness and operate out of love, operate out of shutting it down. They agree and they play. The enemy gets stronger and stronger by the sin that you feed him. So when you feed with your words, when you feed the demonic with your words, you are feeding an atmosphere of chaos, disunity, anger, problems. That's, it's part of also when I was talking about soul ties, how that thing is created between two people. How you get intertwined with somebody. Because you release things out of your soul, out of the brokenness of your soul, out of those things. And the demonic wants to attach with anything you say. Why do you say you verbalize and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord? You believe it in your heart. You are made new. That's when you become saved. It's just that easy with the demonic. You receive Jesus with a verbal confession. If you speak to the Father, you speak to the Father. Angels, angels spoke like in Daniel. You have... You have, uh, when Daniel was fasting and praying, and Michael and Gabriel, they fought the prince of Persia, which was a demonic territorial spirit, okay? And they were releasing, like, uh, 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 his prayer request from heaven. They came into combat in the spirit realm. But he had released a prayer. The answer was given from the Father. It was released, but there was combat in the spirit realm. You have to understand that there is war on words. You release words out there that are the opposite of truth. All you do is partner and strengthen the enemy. That's all you do. And so that is how things get hooked and intertwined. The mind, the mind can go there even when the mouth doesn't. Meaning the enemy, how, how does that happen? The demons talk just like you believe angels talk, right? Angels spoke all through scripture. They're speaking when Michael came and talked to Daniel, he said, I come to strengthen you. You are beloved. You're cherished. They minister. They speak truth. What do demons do? They do the opposite. Do you ever know that the, the Holy Spirit uses angels to talk truth to you even in here? They're talking. They're taking these words. They're, they're giving it to your mind to be as truth. They'll take things in the spirit world and they, they, they minister. That's what they're here doing. They're here to fulfill the will of the Father. Well, guess what the demons are doing? They're over here going, I'm trying to take that. Let me introduce this thought. Let me distract them. Let me tell them to go on Facebook. Like, let me make them think about something else. Let me think about my finances. What do I got to do tomorrow? I mean, if like, if just in um, any service, 
any service that you're in. Man, I know when it happens to me. It happens to me in anything I go to. I'm like so super distracted. It's not like I say these things like I'm so don't. No, and I know what it is. Sometimes there's such a heavy thing in places where the enemy is just like, I'm going to take that word, I'm going to take, I'm going to distract them here, distract them there. That's how they're operating. Now they're trying to shut people down, shut down their minds, don't want them to receive the word. They want to take it before it gets to the heart. What you speak out latches on to what they're already doing. So when they're going to wake you up in the morning and going, do you remember what Sally did to you last night? <laughs> you know? Or this person? And man, some of the stuff is not like you don't have a good reason. What if it was, you know, a man or the woman that you're, you know, your spouse had an affair with or something? Like some of it, no, there's a legit injustice to it. Even though there's a legit injustice to the torment or the unforgiveness, don't take the seed. Because it's killing your soul. It's killing your soul. Jesus was betrayed. His inner circle, Peter, James, and John, those were his inner circle. That's who he took with him everywhere, right? Peter, his inner circle, betrayed him. He was betrayed while being put to death for these people. Yet we're said to be filled with the fullness of him. Man, I want that fullness. I want to be able to live in betrayal where it doesn't touch me. I want to be so intertwined and knit together with the spirit of God that I go to Jesus the moment an enemy comes my way that wants to tell me something that is not true. And some of it is very tricky because, hey, that demon is telling you truth because what that person did was not okay. So how can you say and believe that that is where the enemy is operating because that is truth in your mind and that was an injustice and that's not okay. Do you understand that the enemy, how he distorts things? He can take truth. He can distort truth. He did it with Jesus. He took scripture. He took scripture and tried to tempt him. Don't think he can't wrap up something real pretty in your mind to make you think it's okay to believe and think on and be tormented by and operate and live out of it. It was completely impossible for me to feel like my heart could ever get vulnerable. I don't care with whom ever it was. I couldn't say I love you. I couldn't sit close to people. I couldn't lay in the same bed. I couldn't do those things because of the protection and the shutdown on my heart and I learned to live with that arm gone. When the Holy Spirit comes in and says, I wanna give you a new arm. I wanna give you this ability in this pain and in this brokenness because you're operating dysfunctional in your life because of it. That even when you're home cooking dinner, your husband comes home pissed off and doesn't like your food. You're okay. You go to bed just fine. Because guess what? Your husband does not define you. You are who he says you are. You are who he says you are. That's an ability of strength that we can live in in every single relationship. No matter who you are. No matter what the relationship is. So when I felt, I felt so extremely betrayed in situations this past year of my life. 
And in some of them, there was betrayal. And in some of them, there was me. Meaning there were things that I was living out of, I was operating out of, that even in that, it never had to even be acknowledged as betrayal. Why? Because I could have been so full of Christ that it wouldn't matter. It just wouldn't matter. And some people just like, I don't comprehend that. No, you're just not even talking. Yes, I am. It didn't phase Jesus. He still was able to give up his life. He still was able to be put to death by the people that were hating him while they did it. He was giving up his life for them. It's this ability. You know, I prayed for God. If he was going to call me to such a rough ministry, mm, I was like, and especially like single woman, and I, you know, I, I feel God's giving me the ministry to expose the demonic, expose how the enemy works, okay? And uh, do you know that that's like, going to shove you in hell and like it does not make your life easy okay it makes it very very hard it goes like no the fullness of my son in you will give you the ability to walk through crowds you will not feel rejection it won't affect you i couldn't believe that to god what that doesn't seem like that's possible why would he call me to something that would be as if I was just called to pure suffering and pain. Because when I was called to public speaking and started like giving my testimony, I'd go home every, every night because I just got pulled out, okay? I did not want a ministry. I did not want any of any of this, okay? It was not my heart's desire. At least I didn't think it was. And um, I just started getting pulled out when I lived in Oklahoma and people wanted to hear my testimony or whatever. Um, I would go home in absolute torment, all night long crying, horrified, tormented for days, embarrassed. And I knew that that was where the enemy was working on me. He would hit me. He would hit me at my root system. He'd hit me where there was pain, where there was insecurity. And God was saying, if you let this go full circle, what this is going to create in you is a strength to where people and their opinions about you, the fear of man will not affect you. It will not touch you. But you have to get to a place of the fullness of my son inside of you. That every part of your heart that has been intertwined with the pain from your past is going to be knit and pulled out. Yes. That's not comfortable. I'm going to come into your blanket and I'm going to poke out every piece of your threading that was intertwined and knit with stuff that was not me. We've been knit together in the womb of our mother, but then what happens is our soul through life will get knit and intertwined with other things and those things will cause a strength in the knitting of your soul. God showed me what this looked like in a picture that they come together and you get intertwined with darkness and pain. And when the Holy Spirit wants to come and say, I'm going to pluck this out and I'm going to intertwine you with the strength of my spirit that is such a durable knitting. It is such a rooted foundation. It's the foundation of love. But the thing is, is that we box love in by our experiences, by people in our lives, by what we see, by what people say. We box love in. So when God says, I'm going to come in, I'm going to give you a new rooting system with my love, you define his love by your past. The only, I believe the comprehension of people's love hits this wall. It hits how you've experienced love. So if your love meter has gone to here, and boy, that love meter is pretty broken because how your mom loved you was not okay and was not God's love. 
then you have this meter and comprehension in your soul that goes to here. So what Paul says, this is a love you cannot comprehend. It is divine. It's not understandable. Well, it's got to hit above that meter, meaning it has to come from revelation. It has to come from revelation, supernatural revelation. He's talking to the most spiritually mature church, saying, I pray that you would understand something that you can't understand. You can't comprehend. I pray that your comprehension would come to here in the spirit. What happens is you box love in. Your rooting system is in the comprehension of your natural man to this love. When God says, I want to take that comprehension here, it doesn't just mean that you're going to get lovey-dub-dubbed for years. No. When God rescued me out of California, when that guy was stalking me and I was taken to Tulsa, I packed one suitcase. I had to disappear. I was gone for five years. I had to disappear on everybody, changed my phone number, left my family, left everything. And this was this protective bubble that God was saying, now I want you to experience my love. Do you know that everything hit the fan for me? Everything. I was preaching my first sermon in Bible school on the love of God, and everything went wrong. Everything. If I told this story, it's so stupid what happened to me in three days. Because I started getting revelation of his love. I remember sitting there bawling my eyes out, reading these sermons that were written about Ephesians 3.18, crying my eyes out. That's when I was getting revelation in the spirit, in the word of God, sitting in his spirit, not getting patty caked with a trip to Hawaii. <laughs> we like to comprehend his love with earthly blessings. But it says in Ephesians 1 that we've been given spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. We've been presented blameless. Man, the blessing of being presented blameless. The spiritual blessings in the spirit realm are far beyond the earthly blessings. When you allow the love of God to be defined by the spiritual blessings, that's revelation. So everything in the natural went wrong. My neck went out. I couldn't move my head. I was studying, and I have a shooting pain go through my entire body when I'm reading for this message. Then my alarm starts going off in my car, shuts down my car. The battery drains my car. I have to get my car towed. So I have no car for two days. My neck won't move. I'm preaching Tuesday. This is Saturday and Sunday. Get my car. Get my car towed back. New battery. Get my car Monday morning. Can't move my neck. Turn it on, the catalytic converter was stolen overnight, $600 bill. This all happened in three days. While I'm in my apartment, getting revelation of the love of God. Oh, how we would love to say, how dare that God really love you. You know what that did? I started cracking up because I got revelation of how bad the devil wants to steal his love. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Everything that I had endured had filtered this love. Everything. That's the problem with your heart. That's the problem with our soul. Because it gets filtered by the natural. It gets filtered by the things we see. It gets filtered by the things you take in. And this heart can have pain and dust and brokenness. And God says, I want to fill you to the fullness of the measure of my son, which is going to come from wisdom and revelation and understanding where all this pain comes out of you. It gets purged out of you. And that will not be comfortable. It's why I, you can feel the people that don't want to go there in a room that's not in here. 
I, I don't, it's not in here, I can tell. <laughs> I always say this. <laughs> I was like, spoke at a high school last week, and it was all these high school students. My goal was to scare the crap out of every single one of them. <laughs> because I had seen somebody like speak in it, and only half of them listened. And I'm like, that's not going to happen for me. I will lose my mind. I'll start yelling at people. I need everybody listening to me. So I went in like guns blazing, okay? I was just ready to like, and I got them all on the edge of their seat. Guess who was the one person that left? The adult. Why? Oh, I triggered her pants off. And I knew it. The one adult. She died because it goes to a place in the heart when you go hard with these things in the Holy Spirit. When you say, hey, I'm going to say what's in your soul, what's wrong, what's broken, what needs to get out. They go, bye. Hey, I like living with no arm. I function good with no arm. That's the problem. People don't want to figure out how to get that new arm. Because getting that new arm is painful. So they get used to just swinging with one left arm all their life. And functioning around that. So I can trigger those people. It's very easy to see. They're just peace out. Bye. And gone. She bolted. That was the only person. That was the only person that left the whole thing. And I knew. I knew what it was that set her off. She was the one adult. All the other kids, I, I was scaring. And I was happy about that. That was my goal. I got them. I, I did scare the crap out of them. I had 15 minutes. And I was taking a punch to their faces. So, <laughs> But that's the thing. It's like we don't want to go to those places. Because do you think it's that easy to get revelation of the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus? Yeah, right. Oh, my goodness. Like, revelation came from me. was in this space of studying, studying and letting his Holy Spirit say, I love you, Sarah, even though all of this happened. It had to happen in my spirit. Then I had to cleanse out my soul. That's when the purging had to come out. I had to be able to look at when everything happened with my car, with my nap, when I was going into that sermon, and not allow those things to steal what God was trying to show me. It was getting firmly rooted. The soil was being broken down. And that's what will happen. When you're in here today, the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm giving you the seeds. I want to get into your soil. I want to break things up. I want to teach you how to live in peace in every relationship. And what can happen is you walk out of here and immediately get in a fight. <laughs> it's so true. It's true. This is what happens. Immediately something happens. The enemy, a phone call. Gosh, if you even knew what happens to me before or after an event. I have to protect myself. There are certain people I will not talk to. I will not. Because I know that they are a little arrow. Mm. Let's talk about arrows of people for a second. There are certain people that the enemy will absolutely use as your arrow. Some of you are like, they're sitting next to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm like, well, pretend that you are not my arrow right now. <laughs> and there are people that when you are so sensitive to that arrow because you are so broken yourself in response to that arrow, because that's the problem that someone's an arrow. It's because you got a softness to take the arrow. So I know those people. I know the ones I can't deal with yet. And I just, I just know it. I just deal with that. Sarah is not healed from that area. So when I get triggered with religious talk or certain things like that from my past, that person has to stay out of my life when there's a trigger because the enemy will use them but the problem is is that i got the brokenness to receive the arrow 
So the thing is, is when you don't have the brokenness to receive the arrow from the person, then when it happens, it doesn't touch you. And I believe that's a space I will get to where there's certain people, it won't matter if I talk to you before or after the events because I don't have that vulnerability in me anymore. So it's not going to hit me. But when it comes like in marriage and you have multiple issues in your soul and their soul, and or just even a friendship, I don't care who it is, anybody around you, and you both are just one big fat trigger for each other. So there is, I mean, this comes out of this person this way, and this is received on your end this way because it's filtered from the rejection or something that happened to you. Then that gets filtered. Then the ping-ponging in the spirit realm, and this is how, this is how marriages get destroyed. I mean, if I could just, even though I'm not married and I'm like the last person, it's like me giving parenting advice, but I will give it from the spirit realm. That's where my advice comes from. I understand the demonic and how it works, okay? That if I could just, if people could just go do a, like a marriage retreat where they just got that understanding, it would flip your mind on how you've dealt with stuff. Because if you actually saw how you take it and you engage it and what gets stirred up and how the enemy then turns you on each other. He turns you on each other. The enemy hates covenant. He hates it, hates it, hates it. He will do everything to destroy in the spirit realm what is covenant. And that's what I was saying earlier were those very specific things that, that work in the atmosphere. What you have to get to is the place inside of you that is the soft and broken areas and the holes in you that is not intertwined with the fullness of Christ, that has not had revelation, you are not sitting in that space, that you are playing out of it. You are operating in that mindset. And that is how these things happen. This is how the, all the dysfunction happens. So I am extremely aware of still the stuff inside of me, right? So I have learned that I have to cut and sever in different ways until I get whole. Sometimes that's a tough thing to do. And some people would take me as being very, uh, like, what's it called? Like somebody who can just go and shut off and be done with something. Now, some of that was dysfunction, but there is also a place that I just learned to get to that until that part of me is whole and healed, I will cut and sever that off until it's ready and right. Meaning there are things that you need to sever in your life and relationships until you get your space right to even and if you're supposed to be in them. And there's so many relationships people are involved in that they're not even supposed to be in. But you have such a soul-type brokenness to the person, you feel you need them. And that is so demonic. That is the most demonic thing. When we feel like we cannot live without something and that you're just going to like, you know, I, I, I believe in when you fall in love, there's a natural part of that. But when there is like this space where you can't like, if in a breakup and somebody has to walk away from somebody, you literally feel like your soul is in this like, no, that's like this false mourning. It's where the enemy uses rejection and twists it. He twists those things in people's minds and it's not. God will protect you and he will allow people taken from your life on purpose so that your soul desire and focus is him. There's things that he won't even allow in my life to make sure my soul focus and desire is him. Then out of completeness, God will give it to you. That's the space, that's the wholeness that the Father wants us to live in. It's the wholeness of the heart. It's the completion of the heart. It's where you don't live in brokenness anymore. I truly, truly believe that when it comes to relationships, 
This is the space that God has for us. It's the completion of the heart. It's the fullness. It's being intertwined with the spirit. That these other things, they can't get in. I want to pray real quick. Because I just feel like... Um, Shake, you shut that off. Is it filming? I don't need my shaking on camera. It's the last thing I want to see, okay? I don't need that. <laughs> Found a, a video that was being live recorded from the event in September on Nevaeh's Facebook. And I was like, oh, Lord. I did not know that was there. And like 15 minutes of it is me praying and shaking. It's like, sweet. I would never put up there. Like, we will shut that video off. Because I feel like what the Holy Spirit is doing in here, he wants to pull things up and purge things in order to open up this space where God comes in and he allows this wholeness to start taking place to where you become untouchable in the completion of your heart and the intertwining of being knit together, that you were knit together in the mother's womb. Things were spoken over you. Do you know that God has spoken things over our lives, the call in our lives? But because we've gotten so knit and intertwined in this over here, that those words are still dangling. The call is not revoked, but man, you have a choice to receive it. There are things that are just spoken over every single person I can tell you. It's peace, it's joy, it's hope, it's the fruit of the Spirit, it's ours. Those are just the words promised over every single person. But the problem is, is like if we don't take it and we intertwine with hopelessness and depression, you operate out of everything in that space. Every relationship is out of, out of that. I told God, I want to be untouchable. I want to be untouchable. That's like seriously what I pray for. I believe, I believe it's attainable. I believe I can live in such a completion in my heart that things just can't touch me anymore. Relationships are just easy. When it comes to this stuff, as a God, it's always about the intimacy of the Father. Always, always. Anytime I try to come in to these, these, uh, these topics of deliverance, of this, of that, all that I always get from the Holy Spirit when it comes to the revelation, whatever he's teaching me, man, it's revelation of intimacy. It's always his spirit. It's always who he is. It's always love. I would, I, sometimes I'm like, God, I just want to do a class on all demons. Just demons the whole time. Let me talk about every single demon that's out there. You <laughs> never let me do it, ever. Because he's like, you have to see everything from my fullness. You have to see everything from my love. Everything else gets exposed with that. Yeah. So any of these things, whether you wanted to come in and get the one, two, threes of why they're a problem and you're not. <laughs> Unfortunately, you just found out that you're the problem. Did you know that you were showing up for that? <laughs> Some of you were just like getting, trying to get hope on how to deal with that stuff over there. And unfortunately, you're like, no, 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 I got a problem. I'm an issue. So, But I believe that that's what the Holy Spirit wants to take us places, a completion in him. Nothing else can touch us. And so I'm just going to pray over this room. And uh, I just want to release some things in people's hearts and just do some corporate like deliverance and freedom and unity of people that just have stuff going on and need a release to walk out of here with just belief of hope and truth and just the things that maybe you you came in needing answers to that it would take place in you and then you'll see it in the natural let it take place in you first everything else changes outside of you when your eyes get changed and you get new eyes to see things because that's the problem we see things with broken eyes 
And man, God could, walk, could deliver you from unforgiveness and a problem you've had with somebody instantly. Instantly, I've seen it. And all of a sudden, that torment, that anxiety, that fear that got lodged in from that offense when they were five years old, they just got set free of. Because the Holy Spirit came in just like that. All I had to do was stir you up and get you to think about it. Like, acknowledge it. How does it get to something if you won't even look at it? God had to tell me, you've got to get to this room. Sarah, i got to get you to the room, to open the room to let it out. He had to tell me at first. He didn't just come in and hit my root system. No, you've got to look at it. So the Holy Spirit, he'll, he'll say things. I'm going to break soul ties real quick. What I'm going to do, so here's how I'm going to do this. Close your eyes. And uh, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to show you and get, just so people know in this room, soul ties doesn't just mean somebody you had, like, um, a physical relationship with it. And for FYI, for those of you that are married, you can have soul ties to exes in the spirit realm that actually cause you dysfunction in this, like, in your life now. When I say soul ties, I'm going to address unforgiveness, meaning this soul tie could be somebody that's going to be so left field that's not going to make sense to you. And that's okay. Let it be okay. Let it be okay, the name that the Holy Spirit gives you, Okay that comes up in you. Now, uh, see, when I've done corporate forgiveness, I didn't want to say who I had to forgive aloud because people knew them. <laughs> so I was like, Holy Spirit, you're just going to have to take care of that because I'm not going to say that name. So I'm going to let that be between you and God. Whether you feel like you need to verbally release that person doesn't, I'm dealing with this in the, in the spirit realm and stuff, and the Holy Spirit will just release stuff. And it can be, if you feel like, man, I just got to say their name, just quietly, just say however you want to say it, and you can let it out. Because there's one thing about bringing darkness to light. I've seen people delivered instantly by just releasing the person's name. Like I just literally saw this a couple days, a couple nights ago, a person got instantly delivered because of this attachment to this person that they were living in crazy, tormenting resentment and it had turned to physical stuff on their body. So like some of you, you just are going to need to say it out loud. Just going to put that out there, but you don't have to. Okay? You guys good with that? Okay. Father, I thank you, God, for your presence, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you desire, God, our hearts to be whole to be complete, God, in you, Father, that there would be nothing, no person, no words, God, no enemy, God, that can define our hearts, that can hold our hearts, God. You hold our hearts. You knit us together, Holy Spirit. I thank you for the knitting together. And so in the name of Jesus, I just released the knitting into this room. Angels, I ask you just to come into this room and touch people's hearts in here. Holy Spirit, I ask right now in Jesus' name to show to their hearts, to their minds, to people, specifically who you want to release out of them. Whether it's a soul tie, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's just an unhealthy attachment, whatever it is. And there could be multiples. You could get a lot get coming up in you right now. Angels and the Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now to minister that to every single person in here. Now, as it comes up in you, whether you want to say it out loud or not, what you're going to say, and what you're going to say even in your heart, is that I, I, uh, 
I choose and verbally release. You can say this person, you can say their names, whatever it is. I release all unforgiveness from them. You know what? You guys don't have to say their names. I'm going to take you through this verbal confession. Don't say their names. I don't feel like you're supposed to. Um, Say, I release all unforgiveness. I release all attachments that I allowed. I release all torment that I allowed. I release anyone defining my life. Defining who I am. God, I ask you to remove it from me and make my heart new. I receive hope. I receive joy. And I release all unforgiveness. I receive your peace today. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you, God. And in Jesus' name, I call every single heart in here to be released. Holy Spirit, all unforgiveness, all soul ties, all hopelessness, all fear, all depression, anything that has kept them bound, God, I release um, soul ties of abortion. Uh, that's the heart attaching to, the, to abortions in Jesus' name. I release that in this room right now in the name of Jesus Christ. All words of abuse that have been spoken over anybody's mind in here today in Jesus' name. Even just today. Someone's mom. I release that right now in this room in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask for a completion in the hearts, Father, a fullness in the hearts, God, that we can live in this fullness, Father, in you and in your Son. And I ask it released in this room that hearts go out of here lighter, God, in Jesus' name, that all heaviness, all oppression go, God. I ask just for a place of peace to drop in this room like a blanket, Father, that your glory, God, your glory, God, that it would rain down in here in the name of Jesus, that it would rain down in this room right now of supernatural peace on these hearts and on these souls to walk out of here with a newfound hope. I take authority right now of the spirit of disunity and chaos and dissension over marriages. I just expose that. I expose it. Betrayal. There's a spirit of betrayal that lays between in the bed. I expose that right now in the name of Jesus Christ, and I just release unity into this atmosphere, into all marriages right now. Whether they're here with their spouse or whether they're not, it doesn't matter. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release just this supernatural unity. God, expose chaos, expose dissension, expose distortion of communication, God. I pray right now that there's a shifting in the words that come out of their mouth, that they will not be stolen, that right now there's a true shifting of truth that happens. 
and there's not the shifting of the chaos of communication. Father, anything else in you, God? We just release it into this room, Father. That we receive you, God. I speak to this very specific hopelessness in here. And I just release that off the hearts right now of hopelessness. I release it right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, for just releasing hope into this atmosphere, Father. I ask an angel just to touch those hearts. Very specifically release the hope on them. And release the joy on them right now in Jesus' name. Father, we get comfortable in the quiet with you. I take authority right now for the people that can't get quiet with God. When you try, whether you try to sit and read, try to sit and talk to him, you get so tormented, so, so tormented. It's like impossible for you. You just want a release of that. You just want to hear his voice again. You just want to be able to sit in peace, God. I ask you right now, Father, just to come around those minds in the name of Jesus, Father. Release the quietness in this atmosphere. Angels, just release the presence of silence into the minds of quiet. It's okay to be quiet. It's okay to sit, Father. I ask that there's a quieting to those minds that cannot get in the space of intimacy with your voice. That cannot get into a space of hearing you, of seeing you, of having, and knowing a spirit that is tangible is more real than anything else that we see, Father. You are more real. You are bigger. You are greater. Let it become real to these people's minds, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we sit and wait on you. We don't rush you. We do not rush you, Father. God, I pray that everyone walks out of here, Lord, with a newfound hope, God, in every relationship that they have, that they came, what they, they got what they came for, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In your name, amen.